welcome to this episode of the Political Debrief Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. The Green Party has been in the news a lot recently. They just elected a new leader, Elizabeth May, and her running mate, Jonathan Pedno, who is now the deputy leader of the Green Party. However, the Green Party has also been in the news a lot recently for some more not-so-happy reasons. There was a lot of turmoil in the party during and after the leadership of the last leader of the Green Party, Anime Paul. And to talk about how the party is planning to recover from this and how the party is going to reach out to Canada's youth, I am joined by Jonathan Pedno, who ran with Elizabeth May for the leadership of the Green Party and now serves as the deputy leader. Talk about a bunch of topics, including his young start to politics and how co-leadership works and how the party can connect with young people about the issues today. Here's our conversation now. And joining me now is Jonathan Pedno. Uh, Jonathan ran with uh, Elizabeth May for the co-leadership of the Green Party. Uh, And in, in an official role, Jonathan serves as the deputy leader of the Green Party. Thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, so... There might be a lot of people that in Canada that don't know who you are and don't know your story. So do you want to take a couple minutes to kind of introduce yourself to Canada? Yeah, well, look, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 32-year-old uh, guy from Montreal, from the south of Montreal. Actually, my family comes from northern Quebec, a place called lac saint um, My father is Cuban-American. My mother is French-Canadian. Um, did uh, study political science, but I, I met... That's one thing maybe not that many people know, but I actually uh, I studied political science at the University of Ottawa, but very quickly dropped out. And the reason for that is because when I was 17, I managed uh, to get uh, CBC uh, to send me and another colleague a bit older and more experienced to uh, document the situation in Darfur. Uh, and if you'll remember, Darfur back in 2007 was in the middle of a civil war, civil conflict, extremely abusive which was also linked to climate. Uh, and um, and when I returned to Canada after having crossed uh, an international border from Chad into Sudan in the middle of the night with Sudanese rebels, I, I just didn't fit uh, so much in the classroom anymore. And I wanted to get continue to get out there and learn about the world uh, by by reporting on it. And so, uh, so very quickly, I, I, I went back documented uh, the situation in Somalia, in uh, Egypt, in Libya during the Arab Spring, and uh, and quickly enough, I was uh, I was I became a journalist trainer uh, in South Sudan, the Central African Republic, and that morphed into human rights reporting with Amnesty International, and then with Human Rights Watch for the past six years. Uh, in that capacity, I I reported on the human rights violations and and violations of the laws of wars or uh, you know war crimes basically in the uh, in numerous countries like Afghanistan or more recently Ukraine, and now uh, now I'm back in Canada because I, this country has given me so much, and I want to give back. Uh, but I want to give back with the party that truly represents my values and where I think uh, the world sits at this crucial moment. Uh, we are faced with a, a climate emergency that is uh, that will that will define our lifetime. Uh, and I think the the you know for me it's very clear that the Greens uh, are the only ones that have consistently been raising the alarm bell 
and are the only ones that have consistently been talking in a truthful manner to Canadians and want to be part of that effort. So um, you were involved with politics and kind of the world at a very young age. Uh, when you were 15, you created the Genocide Prevention Society, um, which was a student organization uh, which raised awareness about events like the Holocaust, uh, the Rwandan genocide, uh, and the defer crisis. Um, what obstacles did you face when dealing with these huge issues at such a young age, and how did you overcome those? Well, for sure, I think, you know, I think the first reaction from a lot of adults was, was like, you know, who are you, and uh, why do you think you can take up, uh, you know, take, take up such such big issues uh, in, in such a way, and I think uh, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to have very good uh, teachers in high school who uh, who believed in me and who gave me space to to grow, uh, learn, and 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 also communicate to other students. And that's how we, uh, me and other students, came up with the idea of this genocide prevention society, which was, uh, you know, admittedly slightly ambitious. Uh, but uh, you know, we were writing uh, letters to RMP. We were, uh, you know, I, I got to go to, to Paris to meet with the former UN Secretary General, Boutros uh, Boutros Radi, who passed away a couple of years ago, because we were hoping to uh, revise or renew the, the Genocide Convention of 1948 to make it uh, to make it clearer uh, that states have a, 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 a um, that states have an obligation, in fact, to uh, to intervene to stop uh, genocide and, and, and violence. Um, but, uh, but that's not something that, um, uh, that happens every day. I think very often there's a tendency on the part of, of adults to, to see younger, um, you know, teenagers and kids, uh, and, and, and think that they can't achieve such kinds of big things, right? It's, it's too big. But in my experience, at least, um, and partly because I was supported by very good teachers, if one starts and puts together a project, a proposal, uh, more often than not, you'll find allies. But it may take time. You know, I was sending, you know, I would, I remember I would come back from school and I'd do my homework. And then, you know, for hours on end, probably until 8 p.m., until bedtime, basically, I was writing these emails to uh, uh, UN diplomats and, uh, you know, Canadian politicians and, and, uh, just trying to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, we've got this project going on and we'd like to reform the, the UN Genocide Convention. Would you be interested in supporting us? And you know, I got in touch with the uh, former uh, Foreign Affairs Minister of, of Canada, Lloyd Expertsy, uh, uh, who wrote back favorably. I found the, the, an email address for Archbishop Desmond Tutu at the time. Uh, you know, his assistant uh, uh, wrote back and he was supportive as well. I got to meet with, uh, with Chris Reddy, as I mentioned. So, so if if you're persistent enough and if you're organized enough, then uh, then you know, gosh, the you've got a world of opportunities out there to make a difference in your community and in the world. And uh, you know, I think I think it's so crucial that uh, young people bring uh, their own perspective to old you know old problems uh, in the world because uh, because more often than not, when it comes to people my age, we become a bit jaded and. Uh, start to uh, start to uh, follow in the tracks of what has been done before whereas sometimes we what we need is is truly radical uh, solutions and, and proposals and these oftentimes come from young people so fast forward a little bit to um, earlier this year um, there's a lot of speculation as to who's gonna become the new leader of the green party um, and 
you know, the, the leadership race was interesting, I think, in a couple of ways, because it was really the first example of a co-leader or a co-leadership contestant model. Um, so what, first of all, can you just briefly explain what co-leadership is and kind of what drew you to that model? Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because at the federal level, co-leadership is an entirely new thing. But where I come from in Quebec, we've, we've had a, a political party at the provincial level that's been doing very well uh, on a co-leadership model for several years. They're called uh, Quebec Solidaire. Uh, the basic idea is to say, look, you know, we have to get rid of the notion that complex issues and complex problems can be fixed by one, one single person. And the reality is that in, in our a parliamentary democracy, people do not vote for who their prime minister is going to be. People vote for who their member of parliament, their representative will be. Um, and, and, and so I think revisiting the notion of leadership in this country is crucial. And co-leadership is one step in that direction. It's something that Quebec Solidaire is, is already doing and doing quite well, but it's also something that exists uh, in green parties throughout the world, notably in Germany, New Zealand, uh, and 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 a few other a few other countries where we actually have green MPs or green members of parliament sitting in government. Um, so, you know, the idea was floated initially by by a few people a couple of years ago in the Green Party of Canada, but was not really implemented. And now, in the context of this leadership race, we had six candidates, uh, and and four of them decided to run on co-leadership tickets. So Elizabeth May and I, as well as Chad Walker and Anna Keenan. Uh, and all of us came up at the top of the of the list of the choices when it came to uh, to the final results. So clearly, there is an appetite uh, on the part of Green Party members for uh, this sort of co-leadership model, which we hope can be innovative but also productive uh, for the future of our party and the future of the country. I'm curious to know how you and Elizabeth May got connected, um, because you two have some really different stories and you two have done some really different things so what connected you two together it's interesting because our backgrounds are not so dissimilar uh when she was very young was also extremely active as a as a she she was uh she, she was an activist against uh, uh the spraying of agent orange her family her entire family is made up of activists right her mother took her uh took elizabeth uh, in protest in chicago i think she was mazed uh mazed the first time when she was um, 14 or something so so we have a similar background of sort of early on advocacy and, and activism now of course Elizabeth's activism has mostly been focused around environmental issues. Mine has been around human rights issues. Uh, and we met for the first time, in fact, uh, this spring. Uh, until, until the month of May, I was living in Norway as part of my former job with Human Rights Watch. And, and as part of that job, I was not allowed or able to be politically involved in any uh, political party, so to speak. So uh, I had to keep a bit of a distance between me and political parties. But when I came back to Canada, uh, I very quickly got connected with Elizabeth through a mutual friend of ours. Um, we met in Ottawa for the first time, and uh, at, the, at, at, the, at that moment, I was I was um, considering a potential uh, leadership bid, but I wasn't too sure if I would go for it or not. Elizabeth had not made her intentions clear at all at that time, uh, but we had a productive chat. And then a couple of weeks later, she uh, you know we we kept in touch. We exchanged a few emails, but a couple of weeks later, she she called me and she was like, "Well, Jonathan." I, you know, I haven't been completely honest with you. I, I have to say that I, I had been considering to 
uh, to run for leadership and I would like to run uh, with you. Would you be interested? And I was like, uh, okay, uh, interesting, interesting proposal. Can we discuss that a bit more? It seems, uh, you know, it's sort of blindsided me. So I traveled uh, to, uh, to BC, to, uh, to, the, to Vancouver Island, and we spent uh, a week together when, uh, you know, we discussed all the pros and cons, our own views on various policy, uh, policy matters. And we also, uh, we also uh, you know, discussed how we would fix any conflicts between us, how we would work together if we were so lucky as to be elected. And we decided that we should uh, make a go for it. And so that's the proposal that we made to members and members uh, accepted it on November 19th. So you've never held, you know, um, a, an, an elected public office, um, you know, in the capacity that we're talking about with, you know, a federal party or that kind of thing. Um, Assuming that you are planning to run uh, in the next federal election, which you haven't said anything, but I'm uh, I'm assuming you are. Um, why is now the time for you to switch from journalism to politics? It, it, I'd say I'd say the shift is mostly from activism to politics because most of my work with Human Rights Watch was was also one where I was I was not only reporting but also being an advocate. Right, part of my job was to go to places like Cameroon or Afghanistan, report on human rights violations, and then take those uh, those those reports, those recommendations back to uh, places like the UN in Geneva or the UN in New York, uh, the, the Foreign Affairs Ministry in Paris or in London or in Washington DC, and then I would meet with these diplomats who were also, you know, wearing these fine suits and, uh, you know, having their little coffees. And I was arriving with my boots still, you know, uh, full of mud from some refugee camp in South Sudan. And I would try and tell them, look, there's an emergency there. We need to do something. And every time, you know, we'd have very nice discussions with these very nice diplomats or politicians. Uh, but at the end of the day, very little happened because there was very little political will to make anything happen. And so I... I thought, well, now is the now is the time. At a time when you know uh, we've got the Ukraine conflict, the, the conflict between the uh, well, the, the unlawful invasion of, of Ukraine by Russia, uh, we have an, an extremely divided international community. The Green Party has kind of unofficially been known as you know the party of the young people or the young people's party. Um, are young people, you know, uh, still do you think a core part of the party? Um, is that, do you want young people to be a core part of the party or continue to be a core part of the party? And how, how do you make that happen? Say that the, the Green Party right now, it's not the party of young people. Uh, and that's a problem that we need to fix and that I need to fix. Uh, and that's a problem that I'm hoping to fix with other young people. And so I'm very much encouraging, uh, you know, young people who believe in the necessity of a, a Canada that, that, that stands true to its responsibilities to, uh, address a climate emergency to protect communities, uh, transition our economy in a more fair, to build a more fair uh, community and society here at home. I encourage all young people to join us uh, and be a part of that effort. But the truth is, until recently, I mean, our, our membership is aging. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's still, most of our members are still very much committed to the green ideas. But the reality, I think, in today's politics is that a lot of young people are quite cynical towards politics. And I understand that because, you know, so often people, uh, you know, you have these fresh figures that come into politics, whether it's Barack Obama a couple of years ago or Justin Trudeau or Jagmeet Singh, and they come in fresh, full of promises, full of uh, new ideas. Uh, and once they get into power or elected into office, 
you know, people disappoint now as as co-leader of the Green Party of Canada. We'll try and, and be to combat that a little bit and, and sort of highlight the fact that it is still possible. And I've seen it uh, in so many in so many places in Ottawa. Uh, you know, please, Elizabeth, Mike, and Mike Morris have been doing an immense difference for for people in this country. And I think we need to uh, we need to get engaged in politics. If we if we think if we feel that politics is uh, is cynical and uh, uh, and not leading to anything concrete and good, then we need to engage into it to make a change. Otherwise, of course, it won't it won't change at all. The Green Party has always been known for, you know, it's been known as a one-issue party to many Canadians. Um, and, you know, if one looks at your platform, they might draw a different conclusion. But um, how do you think that um, a, a party like the Green Party that, you know, is still very focused on climate change and is, you know, kind of centered around climate change and protecting the environment. Do you think that there's a place for the Green Party still in Canada's political landscape, given that, you know, most of all all of the federal parties um, in last year's election talked about the environment and had, you know, some kind of a plan for that? That's super interesting because, you know, when you see all of the other political parties, I guess we're mostly talking about them, you know, the liberals and the and the conservatives, the NDP. Well, they haven't really been in power, but, you know, the liberals and the NDP, sorry, liberals and the conservatives, they had uh, platforms in the environment. And where where do we stand right now? We stand at a situation where uh, the liberal uh, government approved, uh, uh, you know, new new oil exploration uh, projects uh, right right after COP twenty seven, which was happening, you know, which was happening earlier uh, last month. Uh, we have a government that uh, uh, approved uh, a, a, a new oil drilling off the coast of Newfoundland uh, right after the U.S. Secretary General said that further expansions was you know, of, of fossil fuel projects was uh, economic madness and moral madness. So the reality is that none of the other parties have a comprehensive climate plan uh, that they're willing to implement. It's one thing to talk about it. It's a, it's another to actually implement it. And what we've seen so far, both with the liberals and the conservatives, is that they're, they're just dropping the ball every time. Uh, now I'd want to say, you know, on the one on the one issue party question, I'd want to say that for us as Greens, uh, environment is at the heart of everything, but it is not everything. Uh, it's important to understand that without a healthy environment, there is no good education, there is no good health care, and there is no viable economy. Uh, the environment is at the heart of everything. If we have a dying planet, then we have a dying civilization, and it's no point. It's pointless to talk about health or, or the economy. Uh, first and foremost, we need to ensure the basis, our, our habitat uh, as, a, as a species, as, as the human species, uh, and that habitat is right now under severe threats because of our actions. And so it's high time that we modify how we look at nature, that we understand that we are a part of it, and that we start acting seriously to protect it in order to maintain so many of the amazing achievements that we've, we've been able to build collectively as, as, a, as, a, as humanity. So then I guess building on to that, what would you say is uh, the most significant um, issue um, for younger Canadians right now? I think a lot of young Canadians are, are struggling with, uh, with the deep feeling of anxiety when they think about their future, right? There's a, there's a war in Ukraine, there's rising inflation, there's a, uh, a feeling that uh, the world as we come to know it is about to crumble. And I have to say that honestly, things do look quite dire. Uh, 
But there is a way out of this, and the way out of this is exactly what we've seen uh, throughout, you know, right before the pandemic and, and to some extent during the pandemic with young people and their parents and their grandparents mobilizing, send a very clear signal to politicians that action is needed, that it, you know, we're done with the blah, 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 we're done with the empty promises. Uh, real concrete climate action is necessary if we are to have a livable future. Um, so, you know, I think I think really to anyone watching your show who feels a bit disempowered or or um, feel like they might not, uh, that, that, you know, the world is turning into into an ugly, threatening beast that they would want to escape. I, I want to tell you, fight, fight, because it's worth it, because we can make it and because we have a chance to create a more viable future, uh, not only for ourselves, but for everyone else who's going to come after, after us. Uh, but that requires us to, uh, to lift, lift our, our, our eyes towards the future and fight, fight, fight. If you had to go back to when you were 13, 14, 15, you know, around that age, what is one thing it could be anything. What is one thing that you wish you knew when you were that age? Um, and then additionally, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to Canada's youth? One thing I wish I had known is, that's a good question. One thing I wish I had known is, is probably uh, probably the fact that, that you know, things, things can be quite difficult for a while, but they will turn out to be better. I had, I had some times in my, in my life, in my youth, when I took decisions and Honestly, they, they, they landed me into uh, economic uh, trouble. I was jobless for, for a long time. I didn't have my, my own diploma, so it, you know, it took a while uh, before I was able to find jobs or opportunities. And, but in the end, I was able to. And so I think, I think uh, maintaining that faith that uh, things will turn out for the better is so crucial, so important. Um, and I, you know, I, would, I would encourage young people to really uh, really remember that uh, you know your own destiny is is yours to craft. Uh, you need you know you have you have the tools in a country like ours. You have so many resources, so many people uh, that you can reach out to. Not only not only if you don't feel well with yourself or with the people in the society with whom you are, but also to change that society to contribute actively uh, to creating a better world. And so I very much want to encourage young people to engage, uh, find out groups, find out political parties, uh, you know, educate yourself, in, you know, to understand how our system works and get in there and create that difference. And my last question for you today, Jonathan Pedno, um, what is the best way for young people across Canada to get involved in, you know, our democratic process? or to have their voice heard. And once again, I'd say, I'd say A, young youth participation is crucial. B, try and try and find information where it is to be found. Look at the political platforms. See what fits best with your own interests, with your own values. Uh, I would, you know, I'm, I'm with the Greens, so traditionally, I guess I should say, oh, come with us, come with the Greens. But uh, I think it's important, you know, we have we have a wide diversity of political parties in this country. We believe in democracy and and not everyone's going to see eye to eye on every issue. So I think it's important, first and foremost, to 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 look at the options and then decide what is best for you. And then, uh, you know, sign up for a membership. It may sound uh, a bit antiquated, but actually, when you sign up for a membership, then that gives you an opportunity to also uh, 
to also influence the policy process within a party to come up with new ideas, new policies. You know, the, in many ways, in many political parties, the, the proposal for, uh, you know, for same-sex marriage, for example, or for the decriminalization of marijuana or, or so many of the things that uh, then eventually became actual policies, they started up within the young, uh, the, the young wings of these political parties. So getting involved in political parties, in my opinion, uh, you know, the best way is we get a membership, get involved, sign up, and, uh, and you know, as to us, as to the Greens, we'll be souls are very happy to have you. Awesome. Jonathan Petno, thank you so much for taking the time out of a very busy time for you right now. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, I'd be very happy to be back on the show later on, one at a time. But no, it is a bit busy here. much for watching this episode of political debrief i hope you enjoyed it there are some links down below for you to connect with the show there's a blog post with some additional information about jonathan and the story of the green party for the last little bit i'd encourage you to check those out if you're interested also please consider subscribing on youtube and on your favorite podcast platform to get alerts and automatic downloads on podcasts uh, whenever we post a new episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Oliverio and the show on Instagram at Political Debrief Show. Thank you so much once again for listening to this episode of Political Debrief. Hope to see you soon.